Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, and on this edition of our podcast here as we enter the first week of May, Hubert Davis, the new head coach of North Carolina, replacing the Hall of Famer, Roy Williams, former Tar Heel, former assistant, former NBA player, loved chatting with Hubert. I worked with Hubert for quite a while at ESPN. He's got an infectious smile, great laugh, wonderful attitude. Uh, So we're going to talk about taking over for Roy. The whole process of what went down, very interesting to how this all happened and whether or not Hubert wanted it. Well, he wanted the job. He just didn't want Roy to retire. So little nuance there. What's next for North Carolina? Scheduling, recruiting, a uh, little bit of everything. So I think Carolina fans will really enjoy this interview with Hubert Davis. Also joining me, Mick Cronin, head coach of UCLA. They've already had a very good offseason. And it took some time for Mick to digest what happened in that epic game against Gonzaga in the national semifinal, a game that'll go down as one of the greatest we've seen in the last quarter century at the Final Four. But he look, he's got a team that potentially could get back and win the national championship. If you've been following our Power 36, the first one we did, we had UCLA as the front runners at number one. Of course, this thing will change a million times. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about it when we do our next one, if they will be one, but uh, they're certainly going to be top five. Things have obviously started to happen at Villanova, Gonzaga. So we'll just sort of assess all things. But I like what UCLA's got coming back right now. All that we know for sure is that Johnny Juzang put his name in for the NBA draft. We don't know what will happen after that because he has not said he's going to sign with an agent. So I'll break all that down, some scheduling stuff, and a little bit of a tease that – He's looking to try to reschedule a game with Gonzaga. So that could be very interesting. He'll discuss that as well. So that's all coming up. And then we're on to week four of our roster management. As you know, I deal with official news. So we want to make sure the player, not just, yes, he tweeted it or he put it on his Instagram or what have you, but it has to come from the school that it's official, signed, sealed, and delivered, that player X is playing at school Y or uh, we don't have to wait for if they're returning. We know that. But there are some of those cases as well on our list of players who decide to be super seniors. So all of that coming up here in March Madness, March Madness 365. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Hubert Davis, the new head coach at North Carolina. 
Uh, you've had some time to hear that, to digest it. Uh, what's it sound like? When- it's, only, it's only been three weeks. <laughs> I know, but still, uh, what's it like when you hear that? It is. You know, I told somebody yesterday that uh, when you get an opportunity, a chance, just kind of think about it. You're just uh, filled with thankfulness and, and humbleness. And Andy, that's where I'm at. You know, just to think of uh, just a little kid, 155 pounds out right outside of Washington, D.C. And the only thing that he ever had growing up as a goal was he just wanted to be a part of North Carolina's program. He wanted to go to school there and he wanted to play for Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge. And to say that I got a chance to play at Carolina, got to go to school and graduate there and then come back and be an assistant coach for the last nine years under the greatest coach I've ever been around and Coach Roy Williams. And then now for three weeks, now I'm the head coach for the men's basketball program in North Carolina. It's just, uh, it's come full circle. And uh, I love where I'm at. And whatever adjective that you can think of, that's what I'm feeling right now. And uh, it's just been an unbelievable and great three weeks. So I remember when we worked together at ESPN, when you made this decision to go back to North Carolina, your kids were much younger and you wanted to be home more, I mean work, but be around more uh, because so much of your adult life, you obviously have been traveling around as a professional basketball player. Yeah. um, And then even going up and down to Connecticut at ESPN or doing games Uh, And I know this wasn't the plan to take over, but it sort of just organically happened. I mean, how, when you look back at that decision of why you decided to leave broadcasting, go back to Chapel Hill and, and how all of this has transpired, what do you think about the way it sort of all progressed? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, when you talked about it, it, you know, it's all happened organically and I, and I a hundred percent agree with that. And, you know, outside of my desire and my goal to come to University of North Carolina, play for Coach Smith and Coach Guthrie. That, that's, Andy, that's the only type of like goal-setting, forward-thinking that I've ever done my entire life. I've always uh, focused on where I'm at as opposed to where I want to go. So when I got to North Carolina, I just wanted to be the best basketball player that I could become. When I was at Carolina, I never thought about the NBA. I just wanted to be the best teammate and the best player that I could be while I was here at Carolina. When I was in the NBA, I never thought about working for ESPN. I just wanted to be the best pro that I could be every single day. And when I was with ESPN, I never thought about coaching. I just wanted to be the best TV analyst that I could be for ESPN. And uh, when I was an assistant coach, I just wanted to be the best assistant coach possible for Coach Williams. And then when the opportunity and the door opened up for me to have a chance to be the next head coach here, It's something that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a head coach, but I only wanted to be a head coach here at North Carolina. And when that opportunity opened up, um, it's just unbelievable where I'm at right now. It's kind of crazy. That week, I actually talked to Coach for something (laughs) that I did for uh, Turner with Nissan, and it was Coach, me, and Carolyn Peck. And and I didn't know this was going to happen literally like days later. I think that was like on a Monday, uh, and then it happened later in the week. How did it transpire for you where you got word that uh, he was going to retire? It was a longer process for me. I didn't know that I would eventually get the job, but I did know that Coach was going to retire. I mean, over the last, I want to say, two or three years when Coach and I had been out recruiting, when it was just us two, he would tell me, I would say maybe three or four times that he was close and that uh, he was getting tired. And and one of the things he kept asking me is, would I have any interest in being a head coach and specifically being a head coach at the University of North Carolina? 
when he said that, I responded in two ways. Uh, one, in silence. And then number two is, I would say, Coach, you know, I just really love and enjoy being your assistant. I'm settled where I'm at right now. And, and I answered them that way, Andy, because that's the way that I felt. And then uh, when we played Duke uh, senior night this year, after we won, the next day, that was, I think, March 6th, on the 7th, on Sunday, he asked for me and my wife to come over to his house. And we couldn't come over. My youngest son was in the soccer tournament in Richmond. And so we ended up going over his house on Monday. And that's when he told us that he was going to retire. You know, he said that uh, he was tired and that uh, he wanted to spend more time with Mrs. Williams, his children, his grandchildren. He felt like this was his time to go. And he wanted to know how I felt. And I responded to him in the same way with silence. And I disagreed with him. I felt like he was the best thing for this team, for this program, for this university and for this community. And I didn't want him to retire. And so all throughout the ACC tournament and NCAA tournament, I didn't say anything to him. <laughs> I wanted us, all of us, just to focus on trying to win both of those tournaments. And so when we lost to Wisconsin, we came back, we got back on a Saturday. I met over his house on Sunday that morning. He says, I'm retiring. And uh, he wanted to know what I consider being the next head coach here. And after two, two and a half hours of trying to tell him that I disagree with, uh, you know, what he was feeling and that I wanted him to stay as the head coach, I told him that I would love the opportunity to be the next head men's basketball coach. And so then that started the process of the national search with Bubba and the chancellor. And here I am today. <laughs> so one thing that North Carolina has a lot of is former players yeah. and the former players that actually want to be also in the coaching community. And so it's pretty unique that you can fill your staff with people with a Carolina tie. That's not easy to do at a lot of the programs around the country. Um, so how critical was that for you to keep what has really been happening for the last few decades? I thought it was huge. I thought it was a must, Andy. You know, I just, for me, you know, in order to work here, you have to, you have to know this place. You have to have, experienced this place. And, and one of the things that I wanted is I, I wanted coaches that uh, had played here. I think having that type of experience is huge in, in coaching the kids and also recruiting as well. And so that's one of the things that I wanted. Another thing that I, that I was very important to me is, is that, and I talked about this during the press conference saying that Carolina is Carolina. The foundation is set, it's been tested, it's been tried, it's been proven successful. And, and that's the path that I'm going to walk on. But you know, I have to walk on it in my shoes and in my per with my personality. And so, you know, in each different coach, whether it's Coach Smith, Coach Guthridge, uh, Coach Doherty, Coach Williams, Carolina basketball has been Carolina basketball. But each one of those coaches have had different personalities. And so what I really wanted in a coaching staff is I wanted guys that had played here, but I wanted guys that had played here for all four of those coaches, just to bring together the full menu of what this place is about. And so we've got coaches here that played for Coach Smith, for Coach Guthrish, for Coach Darty, and obviously for Coach Williams. And I just think that is the perfect combination to be able to connect all those eras together in order to coach our players out there on the floor. To me, you were a no-brainer. You're the most deserving. It makes the most sense. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, but wait. So, and there also is a positive trend that happened in this coaching carousel, which is, from what I can tell, I think the data will show probably the highest percentage of black head coaches were hired in this coaching carousel. All deserving, 
all given opportunity. And obviously, it is also somewhat historic at North Carolina with your hiring. What are your thoughts on on what's going on around the country and the significance of your hire as the head men's basketball coach? Well, it is. There's major significance to me being African-American and being hired here at the University of North Carolina. I mean, Andy, you know the statistics. It's like, you know, 29% of all Division I men's uh, head basketball coaches, only 29% of them are minorities, specifically African-Americans. And for, you know, the history of the University of North Carolina, I'm only the fourth African-American head coach in the history of the athletic program here at the University of North Carolina. So there's major significance there. You know, one of the things that I have thought about is, is, you know, before Barack Obama was president, I knew that it was possible for anybody to be president. But when he was elected president for his first term, and I'm just talking from a personal standpoint, it gave me personal hope that that possibility could happen. And in a much lesser way in my role, but maybe other coaches, other adults, other people that are aspiring to be head coaches and maybe head coaches at a high division one level, like the University of North Carolina, me being in this role, they knew that it was possible to be a head coach at the division one level, but maybe me being in this role would give them a visual hope that not only is it a possibility, it can happen. And um, I'm very proud to be African-American, and I'm very proud to be uh, the new head men's basketball coach here at the University of North Carolina. So let me shift to the roster. Yeah. Uh, roster management is the uh, elephant in the room for everybody around the country. <laughs> the transfer portal, the draft, everything is skewed later because of COVID. As we stand here now discussing in late April, early May, yeah. who do you know for sure, because it can be changed, it can be fluid, We'll be back returning on this roster. Well, everybody on the roster right now is coming back. We spent a number, a lot of time with the guys on the current roster, their families. And um, I know Armando Baycott wants to go through the process and wants to work out with teams, but he's been here every day and he has every intention on coming back to the University of North Carolina. You know, he was our leading scorer and rebounder from last year and I desperately, not just Armando, everybody here, I desperately want them to have the feeling of being the last team standing on Monday night, but I also desperately want them to have the feeling of, of their name being called in the first round of the NBA draft as well. And so I'm really happy about Justin McCoy and Brady Manick. Justin is transfer from Virginia and Brady a transfer from Oklahoma. Both of these guys bring something to our team that I think we desperately needed. You know, last year, I think we had the best and the most talented front court in the country, but it was really crowded in there. I mean, we had four quality bigs that loved the post up. And so you got two guys on the block and you got two defenders guarding them. And it was, you know, it was very difficult outside of them to get to the basket. And, you know, we wanted some bigs that were a little bit more versatile, that like to play on the outside, that can make plays out on the perimeter. And Brady and Justin can definitely do that. And we really feel like in combination with Armando, that's just going to be a really nice chemistry uh, in the front court. And our guards, you know what, Andy, you have to have talent, but I also think, and you can you could see this during the NCAA tournament, you need experience too. And we had talented kids, but we, had, we were young. When you have guys like Caleb Love and RJ Davis, and now they're coming back as sophomores, they're more experienced. They're hungrier than ever. And I'm really excited about our team. We still got to get better. I mean, we have two more available scholarships and 
Andy, like we didn't reach all of our goals. We didn't win a regular season ACC title tournament. We didn't get to a final four, win a national championship. And so um, we've got to get better and uh, we'll be better next year. So one last thing on the roster, Caleb Love, because you've been there as an assistant, you know the experience matters at that position at, at the point. And this is the first time that I'm thinking about, at least since, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe since Joel Berry, where you're going to have the same point guard back because you went through multiple point guards there, all talented, but they were one and done. So the significance of that. It is huge. You know, having uh, Cole Anthony and Kobe White, those are some pretty good point guards. But one of the things that they don't, a lot of people don't factor in is Kobe also, he was a terrific player, but he got to play with Cam Johnson and, and Luke May and Kenny Williams. And that makes a huge difference playing with experienced players. And one of the things that Caleb and also RJ never had is they didn't have that experienced player that was ahead of them to kind of show them the ropes. I mean, they're, you know, McDonald's All-Americans. They're so talented. It's a big transition going from high school to playing at our level, even if you're as talented as Caleb and RJ are. And not to have that older point guard, that older teammate that could help you out in different situations, I thought was huge. And so having that experience coming back for their sophomore year, being able to learn from their mistakes, being able to grow from the areas where they were very successful, I just think it's going to be huge. Just looking throughout the NCAA tournament, you have to have good experience guard play. And I really feel like Caleb Love and RJ Davis will bring that consistently next year. And the last thing, Hubert, scheduling. Yeah. You were there as an assistant. One thing that Roy always loved to do was play anybody, anywhere, would go take his team you know, for a home game for a player. What's going to be your mentality with the schedule and specifically maybe even next season of any games that you're going to have to pick back up or already scheduling? Well, I do. I, I agree a lot with, you know, with Coach Williams. He, would, he wanted to play anybody, anywhere, and I really feel the same way. I love competition. I love putting our guys and our team in a situation to compete. Whether it's at home or on the road, we're looking for opportunities to get better as a team and be challenged individually out there on the floor. Our schedule this year is is very challenging. We're playing UCLA in the Champions Classic in, in Las Vegas. We're in a tournament at the Mohegan Sun with uh, Tennessee and Butler and Villanova. You know, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, we don't know who we're going to play, but it's always going to be against uh, a team that has a chance to win a national championship, and then you throw in the ACC. And so one of the things that I always wanted to do and we're going to bring back is when I was here at Carolina, we always played in New York City, and I just, I just loved it. Uh, we, we either played in the Meadowlands, but a lot of times we played in Madison Square Garden. And so for me, having played for the Knicks for four years, it's just the best place to play. And I just want to give our players the experience of playing at Madison Square Garden. And also, I think the New York area is a great area to recruit, and North Carolina needs to be a fixture there every year. And so... I don't think we can do it this year, but in years to come, the North Carolina Tar Heels will always be in New York City at Madison Square Garden. Well, I know the Jet will love that as a native New Yorker. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yes, you've had tremendous success. Obviously, Carolina has uh, recruiting in the New York metro area. Well, Hubert, you know, I've known you a long time. I'm so happy for you. I don't know, and everyone has said this, but it's the truth. It's hard to find a better person in the game. Love your smile. Love your laugh. And Carolina will be better for you Uh moving one seat over, replacing a Hall of Fame legend in Roy Williams. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's a big difference, but I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. Time for Katz Ranks here on March Madness. March Madness 365, week four, roster management edition. Remember, the rules of this are pretty simple. The school has to announce it. Cannot just rely on social media posts from the player. So, let's start at number 10, Penn State. Back on this list, Jalen Pickett from Siena. He was the 2020 MAC Player of the Year. Add some scoring for new head coach Micah Shrewsbury. And Jaheim Cornwall, a, another scorer from Gardner-Webb. So, an infusion of talent for Micah Shrewsbury. At number nine, Providence back on this list as they add Justin Manaya from South Carolina, grad transfer. You add his defensive rebounding. They already picked up Al Durham from Indiana. So, Ed Cooley loves experience. That's what he's getting with these pickups. At number eight, new head coach Drew Valentine at Loyola Chicago. He's got four super seniors coming back because on this list, you've got transfer portal guys and players who decide to come back for that second senior season. That's the case here with Loyola Chicago. But here, Ugok, he's coming back. Lucas Williamson, Keith Clemens, Tate Hall, all playing for Drew Valentine. At number seven, Kansas State and Bruce Weber. How about this Hall? Mike McGurl, who could end up being an All-Big 12 player, he's come back for a super senior season. Then adding in Mark Smith, Missouri transfer, good scorer. Ishmael Musud from Wake Forest, combo 6'8 player. Marquise Noel from Little Rock. So an infusion of talent, much needed at Kansas State. Virginia, back on this list. Jaden Gardner, scorer from East Carolina. They needed some more offense. Add in Armand Franklin going from Indiana to Virginia. So Virginia added offensive firepower for Tony Bennett. At number five, Indiana, back on this list. Xavier Johnson, the transfer from Pitt, gonna play for Mike Woodson. Also added a high school player to Mayor Bates. And that obviously goes in addition to the big haul of Trace Jackson Davis deciding to return next season and Miller Kopp, the shooter from Northwestern. And number four, welcome Florida State to this list. Cameron Fletcher from Kentucky, only played nine games last season. Expect him to be a much better scorer for Florida State with a full season. He was a scorer coming out of high school. At number three, Gonzaga, back in this list. Second week in a row. Last week it was because of Chet Holmgren, the number one high school player in the country. This week it's because Rashir Bolton from Iowa State, formerly Penn State. He's got two years left. He'll have to more than likely apply for a waiver as a double transfer, but there's a coaching change. We'll see if that matters. So we'll see, but there's no question he can score and he will fit right in on that perimeter, really replacing Aaron Cook, who decided to leave Gonzaga as a double transfer. We'll see Southern Illinois and then the Zags. We already knew Jalen Suggs was going to be gone. And so you needed another experienced guard to team up with Andrew Nemhard, already Hunter Salas, but Joel Ayayi, we knew he was going to be gone to the draft. So adding Bolton adds to that experience and that scoring. At number two, James Akinjo, now off to his third school, going to Baylor. So Baylor gets James Akinjo, played at Georgetown, score, Arizona, score. Now he'll be a scorer at Baylor, assuming he gets eligible right away as a double transfer. He has a coaching change. There was a postseason ban last season. I think he probably will get it, but still needs to go through the process. And Akinjo to Baylor. So who's number one? 
this week, week four, Houston. Final four, Houston. How about three of these? Final four teams, Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston. Houston, check this batch out. Kyler Edwards, Texas Tech. Josh Carlton, Connecticut. Taz A. Moore, Cal State Bakersfield. So Moore can score. Carlton, rim protector, big man, can do a little bit of everything, runs up and down. Kyler Edwards, probably more of a perimeter defender, has the ability to score, but I think will fit right in with Kelvin Sampson's crew. So good experience pickups for the Houston Cougars. Topping my list this week, number one in roster management for week four here on March Madness 365. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, UCLA head coach Mick Cronin. And uh, Mick, uh, it's been basically a month since arguably one of the best games in college basketball uh, that I know I've seen in three decades. Um, I know after you were asked this, and you know it was hard to put in perspective because you were there in the trenches, but now that you've had some time, can you look back and appreciate what an unbelievable basketball game that you were a part of? Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, obviously the sting of losing is still, you know, it, it, you never get over. I don't get over regular season losses. So, but yeah, the appreciation for how well we played. Uh, and obviously then you look at Gonzaga's stats for two teams to be that efficient in a college basketball game under the biggest lights and the biggest stage, it was, it was really good for our sport, to be honest with you. Cause you know, it's become such a football dominated sports society that, um, you know, people trying to get the eyes of the basketball world on the college basketball. So I think it was just, it was really good for our game. So in, in a lot of ways, absolutely, you know, tremendous appreciation for, the fact that both teams played so well. And it was, like I said, on that stage, it was really, I think, really good for our sport. As you look back also as maybe one of the main reasons for the run that you had from the moment you lost Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament, what do you think the reason was? Look, close games. you got to be able to execute down the stretch in close games. And then, look, Lady Luck counts as well, right? Ask Jalen Suggs. I mean, it's a factor. So, you know, the ball has to bounce your way some. And that, look, that is why March Madness is what it is. It's not March Sanity. It's March Madness. So, but you do create your own luck and you can get on a roll. So for us, two things really happen. Our injuries and losses of players throughout the year really slowed our growth and development combined with six months and less of not seeing our team. So we were always going to be a team that was going to have to get better as time went on, but Johnny's development, he didn't even, he hadn't walked into our, our locker room until September 21st. So just a lot of things came together. We get, became a better defensive team. We found a rhythm on offense together with a certain style of play without Jalen Hill and Chris Smith. But I really think playing in the Pac-12 was such a good conference. You know, as the year went on, when Oregon State really got it together, uh, you know, our league for, for Arizona State, and Stanford with the talent they had to struggle to win games shows you how good our league was because Arizona was a tournament team. They just obviously couldn't go this past season due to the probation. But looking back on it, was it great that we lost some close games? No, but just playing in those games, I think really prepared us 
to really slug it out in the way we needed to to be able to go through the gauntlet that we went through to get to the final four. I know you're going to dismiss this, but in the immediate and and we all do this just for for clicks and likes and all that, <laughs> you know, the immediate uh, right after the final four look ahead. And I had you guys number one based on in that moment in time of who could be back. Obviously, since then, Johnny has put his name in there. But also since then, you've added Miles Johnson. I do a lot of work for the Big Ten Network. I love Miles Johnson. I think he's an unbelievable pickup. First of all, great guy. Great guy. Cerebral, very intelligent. <laughs> rim protector scorer. So that's a huge pickup. So, look, are you going to be the number one team in the country? I don't know. But could you be one of the top five, ten? Yes. That's what I think. Tell me what you think at this moment in time of what this roster could be. Well, look, so we were 17-5. and five with going through all the injuries and we could have easily beaten Oregon, Colorado, SC and Oregon state. Then what seed are we in the tournament? So we were never as far off. I think from being a really good team as people thought I'm a big believer that experience does matter uh, in college basketball. So I think, you know, uh, look where you're ranked and all that, we won't know on Johnny's situation for a long time because the draft is pushed back and, uh, you know, whatever, however it shakes out for him. We have, some, you know, some other guys for their evaluation checking, you know, you know because I'm a big believer in, look, you got to support these guys. They, you know, if I was a player, I would want my coach being okay with the fact that I'm, you know, I, I have a right to explore my professional opportunities. You're getting paid, coach. You know, I got to let me look at getting paid. So I'm all for it. So you really, really won't know until July. But you're right, Miles is a huge pickup. We know we have Peyton Watson and Will McClendon as well. So just adding those three guys to what we already have, whether we lose a guy or whatever happens to the NBA draft, the bottom line is you're right. We have a chance to have a really good team next year. And uh, the scoop is, you know, Mark Few and I are trying to figure out a way to have a rematch. Obviously, we think, you know, it could be the – the most watched regular season game if we have to have that rematch right away. So we're trying to trying to figure out how to make it work. The problem is you have so many games set already that, that we're, we're trying to see if we can move stuff around to make it happen. So I, two quick things that you said I want to pick up on. First, I'll just on that last thing you said. I know this is across the country. There are a lot of games that teams had that got scrapped in the non-conference because of COVID. What is your scheduling commitments at this moment of games that maybe you we're supposed to play, but couldn't, and maybe contracts that are starting in 21-22. We had a return game to UNLV that we didn't play uh, because of the date was November, and uh, their athletic director is a friend of mine, so I, you know, I know that's a revenue generator for them. So we push that back. So we're going. We go back to UNLV. Uh, we also go to Marquette uh, because they came. They came during COVID, which I really appreciated. Because obviously, you know, a lot of people just canceled those games so they didn't have to travel. We were the only Pac-12 team that had a quality home non-league game. So, we, you know, we go back to Marquette. So that's two. I know we got the CBS Sports Classic, which will probably be North Carolina or Kentucky. So we played Ohio State last year. So and then we're in the Legends Classic back in uh, the Barclays Center, which I believe the teams as of now are Virginia, Northwestern and Texas subject to, you know, either maybe a change or two. So we, we, we already got a pretty strong schedule. Mark and I both realized that, uh, you know, the popularity of our game, it would be pretty cool to have a, have a rematch. Be awesome. Whether, wherever it is, neutral, home and home, 
uh, I think we'd be great. All right, so just one other thing just to pick up on that you said there. Of the players at this point here, late April, early May, of players that you know as of now are returning, not newcomers, uh, who would that be? And tell me how much better you think they could be. Well, all of them, you know, like right now, Johnny, in my mind, I mean, he's out in our gym, you know, working on his stuff right now. So you, you're not going to know until July. So, you, you know, I think this is an interesting one for you on your topic of improvement. So I've been the coach here two years. I've yet to work out Tiger Campbell or David Singleton in the offseason, in the spring or the summer. I got the job, Tiger's rehabbing from an ACL uh, with my new staff coming in, and David Singleton was shut down with a broken foot. So they didn't come back until late September, David, the Tiger, October, David. Fast forward, COVID, six months, we didn't see our team. So I'm excited just, you know, about just having a chance to work with those. You know, those there's two big parts of our team. They've missed their last two summers entirely, injury and COVID. So I think, uh, you know, the, those guys could really improve. Obviously, you know, Jaime's never had a summer as a UCLA player, Jake Kyman, because they were a freshman, you know, they were coming in from high school, so they had abbreviated, and then COVID hit. And Jaime played for the Mexican national team. So, you know, he's never had a summer with us. So, you know, we have a lot of chance for improvement over the summer, and, you know, everybody get vaccinated, you know. Obviously, you, you know, that's it's going to be huge so we can all get back to normal. But, you know, excited about all those guys, really, Andy, because all of our guys have such room. Like, Mac Etienne played a little for us, but he was supposed to be here to lift weights and put on weight. He wasn't supposed to play. So now he's got a chance to, to get his, you know, where we got six months to work on his body, you know, and he's a high-level recruit for us. He just spent his senior year hanging out with us, trying to help us go to a Final Four. But, you know, he's technically a freshman for us next year. So it's great having returning players. I have a great assistant coaching staff, Andy. You know, I'm a big believer in getting the best staff you can get. And Mike Rod and Darren are big time. So I think that allows us to really do a great job of player development, which has always had to been a big part of my career wherever I was at, whether I was with Bob Huggins or Coach Patino or my 18 years as a head coach, not always getting the great high school guy, getting the guy that you have to work with and develop. I love it. I believe in it. So I think we got a chance to get a lot better and hopefully live up to these expectations that people are talking about, especially you ranking us number one. You're killing me. All right. So there's three other names. Just I'm just curious, quick update, because you cannot take anything for granted right now because guys could come back that should be done. So I got to just go through them real quick. You know, the status of Jalen Hill, um, Chris Smith, and Cody Riley. Well, Jalen is retired. With through the medical stuff here, you can so he'll stay on scholarship here at UCLA until he graduates. So he's doing well. That's all we care about. That he's doing well as a person. Chris Smith is rehabbing his ACL. He's doing great. He works hard, and you know his he's I'd say ninety percent towards the draft. I think it's the right move for him. But obviously, he knows he's a free scholarship for us. So if he needs to come back, he knows he can do that. But uh, I, I think that's, you know, he's, he graduates next month. So that's probably the way that goes. Cody's a different story. He still needs more time to graduate. He's a year away from his degree, albeit his red shirt. But my advice to Cody is he should put his name in just so if he can get some interviews. I don't know if they're going to work guys out, but I think it would be good for him to maybe hear some Zoom interviews from NBA people, what they feel he needs to work on. 
because they're going to reinforce the things I'm teaching him. Uh, and, and, you know, again, being pro player, it can't hurt anything for him to go through that process. But he's a, you know, he's he's all in here at UCLA working out every day with our team. So, yeah, I mean, all things being equal, if the majority of these guys come back, uh, I don't think I'm going to be too far off. You know, somewhere. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, look, it's awesome. And I know you had a chance to obviously see your dad in person finally. Yes. Uh, what was that like? Oh, it's been so long. Yeah, we had a big hug and he's here now as we're doing this interview. So looking forward to a great time, you know. But the only thing for me is he likes to rehash the games. And I had to listen to him all night tell me how he knew we would have won double overtime against Gonzaga. And I'm, <laughs> I can't when you lose those, you don't want to talk about them. You know, I'm trying to worry about next year. But, uh, you know, he likes to go through play by play and all that stuff. But, uh, hey, John Thompson, the third is a good friend of mine. And uh, like he called me and told me it was great that your dad's still around, as you know, Big John passed away. Uh, but he was alive when JT made the Final Four. So it just makes it that much more special. The only reason I'm coaching is I'm a son of a coach. So the fact that he was able to experience all that, even with COVID, and I couldn't, you know, hang out with him during the run. Uh, it was just awesome to be able to bring that type of joy back, you know, to your father. So we're hanging out now, and I'm gladly paying for everything. Well, Mick, I appreciate it. I know we will talk soon. Just great that you can work out your guys again. Thank you. Awesome. It's good to see you, buddy. Thanks for having me. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, a big shout-out to our teams at Turner Sports, NCAA.com, Bleacher Report, doing an outstanding job with our podcast in season and out. Abby Stoltz leading our charge with Chad Acock, Michael Kaplan, the entire NCAA.com team, and those that are helping us at Bleacher Report appreciate all of you. Everyone, get vaccinated. Let's get it going so we can have capacity next season. We want it. We need it. Let's get back to some new sense of normalcy. It's happening, but we need more. So stay safe. I'm fully vaxxed. I hope you are too. Let's go. And we'll keep basically just digesting and debating this entire offseason because things are going to start to happen here in May even more so as we get closer to the early entry deadline for the NBA draft. Lottery will be on June 22nd. That's when the combine is. And then, of course, the NBA draft, July 29th. All right. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week.